0: (laughs) This is my best friend, Garth Elgar. Hi. I think we'll go with a little Bohemian Rhapsody, gentlemen. Good call. Hey guys, welcome to Overcrest. I'm Chris. (laughs) And I'm Jake. And we have a very (laughs) excellent, bodacious, (laughs) totally awesome episode for you guys today.
1: Yeah, so Chris, you have been putting this together solo. And I am excited
0: to hear what you have put together and tell you why you're wrong. That's fine. Um, I'm not. And here's the thing is this is the 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 top 10 of my top 20 cars in movies of all time list. The, okay, but this is not the top 10. This is a two-part series. Right, top 10 of top 20. So this is what or 20 through 11 today. Right.
1: So this is yeah, yeah the yeah. bottom the bottom 10 of the barrel of the top 20. There are
0: so many cars In In movies. movies. There's so many. There's a ridiculous amount of cars. So I had to sift through and watch a bunch of movies. And then as I learned more about the cars and the characters in the movies, I had to keep shuffling the list around. So we're going to cover 10 cars from movies. Right. Okay. How many of these movies did you watch? uh, I've seen or have watched all of them. Okay. Okay. So there's movies that I hadn't seen that I needed to watch. And then I rewatched scenes from do you want me to tell you if i recently watched these as we go through? I, i'm curious like okay. if you had to review these as you know part of your research yes well either that or i watched sat on youtube and watched clips sure Of yeah. different parts of the movies okay I, i'm really excited i read scripts like parts of scripts oh, wow. like pages to like try and find lines and quotes that i liked and i had to go get them out of the movie it's yeah uh, it's it's been fun it's been really really fun i've i've enjoyed it um whole Wholeheartedly. So can I ask what your criteria? Okay. Is? So I thought when I started doing this that my criteria would be cars that had personality right. in movies, not just. So it's the, almost part of the plot. It's part part almost plot. a character in itself. It is a character. It has its own byline. Okay. Basically. And then I was like, well, I really want I like this car. I think this should be higher up on the list. So then I just kind of threw my own criteria out of the window and just built the list <laughs> how I wanted it to. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> So okay. that's, that's basically where things are at. So before we get started, do we have a sponsor to yeah. talk about? Yeah, so
1: Chris, you and I don't drive our old 911s in the terrible mess that we call winter up here. I wish I could. Unfortunately, with all the salt they use on the roads here, they would just crumble into rusty
0: heaps. Do you know that every once in a while I do take my car out in like a fresh snow? I remember seeing that. I do take just it uh, out around uh, the neighborhood. whip it around the neighborhood. It's fun.
1: Yeah, so I know we're not the only ones that put their fun cars away for the season. So... Why not invest in a WeatherTech indoor custom-fit car cover? WeatherTech is more than just floor mats. So I don't know about you, but it seems like somehow, inevitably, a stored car always turns into a storage shelf in its own right. You know what I mean? For sure. It's like Well, maybe in your garage. I don't stack things on cars. (laughs) Well, it's like the treadmill you never use in the basement and like somehow that always becomes like a clothes hanger. Well, you're just talking about flat surfaces in general. (laughs) Exactly. So a Weathertech indoor custom fit car cover protects your vehicle, shielding it not only from dust and moisture, but also from those inevitable scratches that seem to happen if you set anything on your car. Sure. Weathertech has covers for over fifty thousand vehicle variations and assortment of cover options to choose from. So, head over to weathertech.com to find a car cover for your vehicle's make and model. And also be sure to check out slash overcrest for a chance to win one of 20, $20 gift cards they're giving away to our listeners.
0: Right on. I actually need a car cover. So, maybe I will look them up them about doing that. Because I just, I, I have a gravel driveway. Yeah. And every time someone pulls in the driveway, all, and if my garage door is open, all that dust just ends up on my car. So, it would be nice to not have to. Quick detail it over and over again. Good point. So, all right. So, we're going to move on. This is my number 20 on my list. Okay. So, in 1975 to 1979, the American Motor Car Company yes. made the AMC Pacer. Okay. The Pacer. Now, you know this car, right? I do. Kind of Gremlin-esque. Yeah. Kind of like. So, the, the Gremlin was also AMC, right? Yes. So, the body of this car, believe it or not, is 37% glass. <laughs> like the, the Wow, shape. yeah, because yeah. I remember it being, it's like a fishbowl. Yeah, it was icon of the 1970s. In okay. the May 1976 issue, Car and Driver dubbed it the Flying Fishbowl. Oh, so I
1: wasn't far off. You were <laughs> not far off.
0: Motor Trend Magazine, one of many that pictured the car on the cover, said it was the most creative and most people-oriented auto born in the U.S. in 15 years. Now, if you think about this car, think about was what was right before this, 10 years ago before that was the Mustang. Sure. And the Camaro and everything. And then all of a sudden you just have this thing that looks like a blob that fell off of something else. So what was it was Roden Track that said that? It was Roden Track that said
1: that. What was the car I'm curious they're referencing 15 years ago that was the people car before this?
0: I have no idea. You know? In April of seventy five, Roden Track road tested the Pacers' appearance and described the Pacer's appearance as bold, clean, and unique. Even okay. when it's going sixty miles per hour, it looks as if it is standing still.
1: <laughs> Wait, that's the opposite. It's that's the, the opposite. opposite of what you think.
0: It's the opposite of what you think okay. it would be. So this car essentially made Queen cool. What? Again. Phil, um, if you're going to spew, spew into this. You know this movie, Jake.
2: Easy comes.
0: No, you
1: don't know this movie? I haven't. This is Wayne's World. I was going to say Wayne's World, but I Wayne's have World. only
0: probably seen like parts of it so years ago. So my number 20 on this list is Garth's Mirthmobile. The Mirthmobile. The Mirthmobile, the Mirthmobile is the name of this car. Um, Mike Myers didn't even want to do you know the shot from this when you think of this movie? Do okay. you know the shot? It's the blue pacer. Right. It's got the flames on the side. Okay. Okay got the licorice dispenser. I do not. Okay, I definitely don't remember this. It has a licorice dispenser in place of the dome light where you just pull licorice, like rope licorice, (laughs) out of the dome light. And this, one of the reasons that this car is so cool is that it really ties in with rock and roll and made Queen cool. Because for a while, if you've watched, have you seen the new Queen movie? Yeah. They weren't cool anymore. I suppose, There was a period of time where they were not cool. And uh, Wayne and Garth basically rock out with their buddies in the, the in the Mirth mobile, which is the baby blue with flames down the side, okay. dorky looking car. Uh, Mike Myers didn't even want to do the shot, which was them rocking out and singing. Why is that? He said, I did so many different shots and we mounted the camera different ways. Mike was complaining that his head hurt and he needed Advil and they were both saying that the scene wasn't funny and why are we doing this? But here's the thing, is that the scene from this movie is one of the most iconic rocking out in a car scenes of all time. <laughs> it truly is. I need to go back and watch this one, because yeah, I can't tell you one way or no, the other. No, that's okay. There's a lot of people that probably know exactly what I'm talking about, though. Mike Myers calls Wayne's World the ultimate suburban heavy metal North American experience. Wow. Yeah. It's one of rock and roll's most iconic moments, and this car was a part of it. The The juxtaposition between the dorky car and epic music really, really worked. because this, this, this car is super... Super dorky now. Well, it looks thing, like it's standing still, going sixty miles
1: an hour. That's, that's right.
0: <laughs> so it sold for forty grand in twenty sixteen. Oh, the movie car, the movie car, it sold for twenty grand in twenty sixteen. However, is this earlier? Is this going to be a theme going forward where you find out the history of what happened to the car? I it did where I could, okay. where I could. Interesting. Um, there's a few cars grand. that we know. Okay. And there's a few cars that we don't know what happened to them as well. The, the this car also just before it sold for forty grand, sold for only ninety six hundred on Pawn Stars.
1: No, one
0: hundred percent. Some dorky looking dude sold it to the guy on Pawn Stars for. I 9, wonder if then it bucks. was on the show and someone's like, "I need that car." I see. The thing is, is that a lot of these cars, you don't understand why they're not immediately valuable. Okay. Which I don't because this movie was a huge hit. Yeah. Wayne and Garth, Wayne's World was on Saturday Night Live. Mike Myers and uh, right. What is it? What's his name? Dana Carvey. Uh, that sounds I hope that's right. right. I'm not sure if that's totally correct. But I mean, it was a big deal. It was on Saturday Night Live all the time, and they had this big movie. And it was the most, there's been a lot of Saturday Night Live spinoffs. Sure. Uh, I can't even, uh, Night at the Roxbury, for example. Sure. This was the most successful one. Gotcha. Uh, anyway, so that's that's it. That's number twenty. Awesome. Okay. All so right. moving right along. Moving right along. Number nineteen. Number nineteen. So this is something that most people might not know. This is Uh-oh. kind of like. I thought
1: the last one was a little obscure.
0: No, this is this is pretty obscure. So have you ever watched Initial D? I know of Initial D. So Initial D is a Japanese anime cartoon. Right. About drift hunters. Right. So drift hunting is, from my understanding, and this is one where I really wanted to talk to somebody about this that was really into the culture, but I couldn't find anyone. I found uh, someone that knows a lot of Japanese people, Okay, (laughs) and I was told that, oh, uh, (laughs) initial D is for old people now. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I suppose. Because it's been around a really long time and yeah. it's not really hipping with it. But I think it really had a lot to do with an, the, impact. an impact on the drift culture there of, of drift hunting, basically going around the mountains and drifting with other people. So drift hunting,
1: hunting, that's just looking for like different roads to
0: drift, right? Uh, I think it's actually going after other people that are drifting. It's a competition on some gotcha. of these Japanese mountain okay. roads. So I'll give you a little synopsis of the show and then, yeah. we, then we'll move on. Now, is this spend... a series
1: that was on for a number of years? Yeah, there was, okay.
0: there was multiple series. The car, however, in this movie... Is the Treno GT, which is basically the AE86 Levin. Right, it's the Japanese market version right. of that. So um, I'll read you the synopsis here, and then you can just stop me anytime. It's if you a want to white know and anything. black car. White right? and black with yep. Japanese writing on the side. Yep. Um Takumi, which he, I think he's called Tak in the show, cool. is an average eighteen-year-old high school student with an average job at a gas as a gas station attendant, and not so average hand in the family business to help his father's tofu shop. Taka's been delivering tofu in his father's 8-6 Trueno to a hotel at the peak of Mount Akina, the local mountain. Now, the 8-6 the is the Toyota Corolla GTS in right. the United States. Um, they do it every night at 4 a.m. is when he delivers the tofu. Taka's been unknowingly training to be the greatest mountain pass drift racer in all of Japan <laughs> After a freak late night encounter with Kasuki Takayashi, a number two driver of the infamous Red Suns team. So there's different teams. Okay. Okay. There's a bunch of different race team, or uh, drift teams. Takumi is quickly and unwillingly plunged into a high speed world of white knuckle contests on the most dangerous mountain passes in the Gunma prefecture. Assisted by the local Akina Stars team, his slightly obnoxious friend Itsuki, his somewhat shady girlfriend Natsuki, and the sage words of his father, chain-smoking father ex-racer Bunta, he'll need all the help he can get to outwit and outmaneuver Japan's most talented underground drift racers. So, in the beginning of this, Tak doesn't know anything about cars. Okay. But he knows how to drive. Not. No, oh, no. He okay. does not. So, what his dad does is he takes a cup of water. Okay. And he puts it in the cup holder. Yeah. Don't spill the water uh, is the entire, is the entire theme here is don't spill the water on your way up the mountain. So he's driving and he's trying to get to his delivery time and not spill the water. So uh-huh. that's how he kind of low key teaches himself how to sure. drive. Is that, is, oh, that's cool. Slow as fast, right? Yep. So if you're doing jerky things, the water spilling, it's yep. not really working out. So attack basically joins Project D, another drift team. Eventually, um, so each team focuses on like front wheel drive, rear wheel drive, all wheel drive. And there's all kinds of uh, EVOs and Skylines and what year? Like what genre? Well, this is like this early is 2000s. Early right? 2000s. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And it's all Japanese, so you got to watch it in subtitles if you want to watch it. Um, I can't play any clips because you would not understand any of them. <laughs> it's just a rad story of a tofu delivering kid becoming king of the mountain in a car at the time everybody makes fun of. Oh, really? And when he finally learns how to drive, yeah. his dad goes, ta-da, and pulls out this twin cam uh, Toyota engine and puts it oh, in the car for him. Oh, cool. And it's really, really, really cool. It's worth watching
1: if Did you're Did you go back guy. and watch a bunch of episodes? I, or I like watched some. Yeah, I
0: watched some a little bit to, I to should check look it at out. that. That is cool. It's uh, it's worth a look. Um, all right. So number 18. Number 18. C'est un rendez-vous.
1: Yes! I own this on DVD. Tell me what you know about this movie. So it's supposedly a guy doing a high-speed run through Paris at like 4 a.m., balls to the Sunrise. wall. Sunrise. Sunrise, yep. yep.
0: And it they claim it's in some Ferrari. It's a Ferrari 275 GTB. Okay. It's the car that is on the cover of the DVD. Yes, so that's what you assume it is.
1: And I will say they've done studies. That there's no camera trickery. He is going that fast. He is
0: going very fast. All right. So, however, but what I learned is it's not the it's car. Not, on the it's not. It's not the car, and you, you don't like the car that it is. Do you know which car it is? It's a Mercedes. Isn't yeah, it? it is. I'll tell you about the car in a second. So, the length of the film is it's eight minutes, and that's all the film they had in the it's camera. It because they had a thousand foot, thirty five millimeter film reel. So cool. Yeah. So Cloud Le Leloch, filmmaker says that he would have used the Ferrari, but he needed a vehicle that would not shake and vibrate the camera so much. He says now that he used a Mercedes-Benz 450 SEL 6.9. That particular car had a special hydropneumatic suspension that helped keep the camera level. City officials rejected his application to close the necessary streets. Undaunted, he decided to do it without permission and take his chances. And the film is so much cooler because of it. Because of it, yep. Reducing the risk by shooting at 5.30 on on a morning in August. The month when almost all of Paris shuts down for vacation. So um, he tops out at 146 miles an hour in this film. Wow. Um, apparently, the top speed actually achieved was around, he says it was at 146, but the top speed actually achieved was 200 kilometers an hour in the 1.3 kilometer Avenue Falk, which I don't know. I just thought it was I can funny. picture it though, because it, you see these lights flying by these intersections yep. and they're all red. And so he's he, just
1: flying through at yeah, 146. So he had spotters
0: okay. with walkie talkies. Yep. But here's the thing. All their batteries were dead, so he, <laughs> so he did the run without the spotters. He just oh. they didn't say anything, so he thought it was just fine. Oh my so goodness! The woman at the end of the film yes. was his uh, was his girlfriend. It was Miss Sweden. Oh really? Yes, yeah, so she was, was Miss Sweden. She was at the Miss time. Sweden. Gunelia Frieden. I couldn't find any real pictures of her. You know, she maybe, looked like a babe. She clearly was a babe. because the whole.
1: The plot of the movie is he's racing to let's the rendezvous, the rendezvous, the rendezvous with, with this girl. girl.
0: That's right. Um, people were exhilarated by the action, but morally outraged by the method. Yeah. I can't say I blame them. Le confessed to being the driver. Of course, it was my film and I was fully prepared to take the risks. He was also arrested for his exploits. I remember something about this. They right? took a look at the film and the chief of police called me in. He read me a list of all the offenses I'd committed. It was never ending. When he finished, he gave me a black look and asked for my driver's license. Uh, a few, uh, he contemplated it for a few moments, then gave it back with a large smile on his face. He said, I promised I would take your license, but I didn't say for how long. I was stupefied. <laughs> it was a symbolic punishment. Then he added, my children love your little film. As for the car, no one's talking. So he knew at one point that oh. nobody would know what the car is. Um, so we're going to talk a little bit about a 450 SEL 6.9 6.9. That's Six point nine. That's a big engine. It's a big engine. And at the time in, in the seventies, it's a pretty serious engine too okay. um, for what it was. So that's the number eighteen is the uh well, I don't know what car you call it. I think you probably would say the two seventy-five GTB slash Mercedes. It doesn't matter SEL. for the film, and yet it is the film. It, it is interesting. Film. That's what makes it that's why it's very it makes unique. This but yeah, list. if you haven't seen this, it is available on YouTube. It's just amazing. Yeah. Okay. So I'm gonna play a clip for you, and I just want you to listen to it. So and are we moving on? Is this we're number on. 17? This is number 17. I want you to just listen to this clip and tell me what you think this type of person would drive. What you think they <laughs> would drive. Okay. You touch my car, man.
2: Get, him,
3: Mando, get, him, get, get it, man. Get it. health, you know. What is pinche? Me. You wasted a kid for nothing. Hey, just relax, amigo. You want to talk? We'll talk. I'm a sucker for good conversation. <laughs> I don't deal with psychos. I put them away. I ain't no psycho, man. I'm a hero. You're looking at a fucking hunter. I'm a hero of the new world. You're a disease. And I'm the cure. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So what's always funny is in these movies, somebody goes, drop it, and then they shoot him immediately. Yeah, you didn't really give him a chance there, did (laughs) you? No, no. So if you had to guess, you're going to get it wrong. But I just want you to guess maybe who the actor is. I know. This is
1: Stallone.
0: It's the one, I can't remember the name of it, but he's got the aviators and the matchstick. That's right.
1: And he has the old hot rod. It's like a uh, lead sled, like the Plymouth lead sled, the 40s thing. It is a
0: 1950 Mercury Monterey. Yes. So Sylvester Stallone, he plays Lieutenant Marion Cobra Cobretti, Cobra, 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 Cobretti, Cobra and it. Cobra. The acting in this film was so bad that the film received widespread criticism by every reviewer and oh, no. seemed to be destined for an early video release. However, car fans loved the Merc and the movie uh, debuted in the number one spot, holding it for a couple weeks, becoming a financial success. So it's, this one literally was about the car. It's the only thing that saved the movie. It's the only the thing that saved the movie. So this yeah. is like a movie-saving car. Um, the That's car looks deal. exactly like a human version of the character from this movie. <laughs> if, if, I mean, it's it's very, very good. St- obviously, Stallone is a badass in this film. Isn't it like set in the future or something? No, 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 no. No? no, no. no, oh, no, okay. no. It's mostly set in a grocery store, to be honest. Um, the car oh. looks, other than the car chase, the car looks exactly... Um, oh, sorry. Stallone is just a badass in this film, and okay. he drives the... Uh, the mark supposedly has a small-block Chevy engine with a 400 turbo-hydromatic transmission, a monster Holly carburetor, four-wheel disc brakes, and a cup holder, as seen in the movie. It's got a special cup holder. I couldn't find them. I, like, scrub back and <laughs> forth looking for this cup holder thing. <laughs> okay. But I was going to say, this is uh, not the first time we've seen turbo used in a place where... Turbos it don't exist. Yeah.
1: Well, the Turbo Trans has always been a thing for some reason. It is. I it don't get till it. was until like
0: 20, 2012 they used the Turbo Hydromatic. Really? It was very, very long. It had a very long life. I think it's like a three or four speed or something. Right. Um, the car has a nitrous switch. So Ooh. he flips the nitrous switch in the movie when he needs to get away. Uh, it's The car's chopped. It has lots of chrome. Big hood spoiler. Um, a huge Mallory tachometer. The car spends almost as much time in the air as it does <laughs> on the ground in this Which, movie.
1: It's a low rider, right?
0: Yeah, and it is so low. It's, it's got the just, moon discs over oh, the yeah. wheels. You know, it's not really the car you'd think you'd be jumping, but they do <laughs> repeatedly. So they built four of these cars. and They were built by Dean Bryant. And Dean That name sounds familiar. Yeah, so he built a lot of cars for famous people, and he okay. still builds cars every once in a while. His big break came in 1955 when he got an order to make a 32-deuce coupe for the future classic of B-movie uh Fame, Hot Rods from Hell, which I could not find, oh. but I could not find it. Things took off from there with Dean's cars. Now having been in everything from American Graffiti, yep. Cobra, uh, Paula Abdul, and Alan Jackson music videos, and of course his movie, his cars were in the Gone in sixty movies, which is the the, the Mercury that's in Gone in sixty seconds. You mean the the uh, Mustang. No, there's more cars in Gone in 60 Seconds than There's the more than just that one? <laughs> <laughs> so I thought it was kind of neat. This guy built these cars. Yeah. So it's kind of neat to have a, a guy build the cars and it's not just a prop I do know car. the
1: Mercury you're talking about now in Gone in 60 Seconds. Yeah. It shoots flames That's at the correct. That's yeah. correct.
0: So they have a... It's it's not a prop car. These are real cars. Which yeah, I they're real is, hot rods that were built. Uh, which I think is really... really I, I forgot I was going to send you pictures of everything as we were oh, on. Oh, well, let's do this. Yeah, let me plus, bust out my... Your handy-dandy picture... Picture situation.
1: Picture program. machine. Hey. Yeah. So you listed a couple more movies there.
0: Yeah. Is American Graffiti on your list? No. Really? No. Really? Really. All right. We're, what are we on here? This is 17. So I'll send you a picture of this thing. So you can have it. So Why isn't kind of
1: that the coop? Yeah. Yep. And we'll, so post, all, we'll the post all the pictures so you can take a look. All
0: right. Let's move on. Why do I remember it being purple? It's not purple. No. It's all right. So number six Why is American
1: graffiti not in your list?
0: I have no idea. Never came up for me. Didn't I dunno. Never came up for me. I think that's a big omission. What
1: car? It would be Milner's thirty-two coupe. I have no idea what you're talking about. John Milner's thirty-two coupe. Nope. And there's the missing scene, so it depends on which version of the film you see, whether it shows him at the gas station unbolting his side exit exhaust or not in preparation for the race against Harrison Ford in the 55 sedan.
0: Not in my list. I may. Uh, both of those are iconic cars. All right, well, we'll see. If I haven't heard of them, they're probably not more iconic than anything that's on this list, which mm. is things that everybody will have heard of. You know, give us some feedback if you think I'm wrong. Send us a message. Yeah, I think there should be a spot for it. Number 16. Hold on. Before we go too much further.
1: Okay, what do we got? Let's talk about Oberk Car Care. Oberk is your premier source for detailing compounds, pads, and polishes. With 15 years of experience, the engineers at Oberk have made a simple, holistic system that really takes the guesswork out of paint correction. You can use it on anything from Milner's 32 Coupe. Or you could use it on Chris's Porsche that you just did this weekend. I think you used their polish. I did. I actually just,
0: I didn't use, they have a cut and they have a polish. Right. I didn't use the cut because I didn't think my car really needed it. Well, you just got it painted. Yeah, so I just it was some of the fine scratches that I yep. got rid of. Awesome. So be sure to
1: check them out at oberkcarcare.com and use the exclusive code OVERCREST to get 15% off any order over $35. And they'll toss in one of their famous Eagle Edgeless Towels for the Overcrest fans. And as you know, if you go on Instagram right now, we're holding a contest for this month of September yep. where you can be entered to win this same kit that Chris received and used. Uh, you have to... Follow both Overcross Podcast as well as Oberk Car Care, and then post up a photo of how much help your paint needs. Someone I want to see some really bad paint pictures Someone's
0: posted one up. I'm like, whoa, there's not much saving. I asked yeah. if it was the surface of the moon, basically. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, be sure to post a photo of your paint and tag winoberk for
0: All a chance right. to win. So number 16, and this is where a lot of people's love for BMW started. I know what you're going to say. That's right. Um, It wasn't quite like that for me. For me, it was a different movie, which we'll get into later is where my love for BMW started. But many, many, many people think that this is the best BMW advertisement that has ever existed.
1: I'm sorry, Clive Owen and Madonna. What was the name of that short? Star.
0: Star. That's not what we're talking about. Oh, really? We are talking about Transporter. Oh. We say this so, so disappointingly. Is the Clive Owen thing in there? We'll talk about it later, but it's not on the list.
1: See, I'm already... Dis- seven. I'm
0: already... No, no. It's Ugh. on the list, but as, as a movie car, the car didn't play as much of a role in Star. Really? Nah. I don't think it was about the car. It was about Clive Owen and Madonna, and okay. not, anywhere, not anywhere near as much about the car as the 7 series from Transporter. So, first of all, it, it was a manual. So it was an E38. It was a manual That's 7 series. Rare. The 750 IL in the film had a stock 322-horsepower V12 engine, and they put—BMW did this. They put a the 6-speed in it for the movie. Oh, just for the movie? Just for the movie. And oddly, in the film, they called it a 735i. Okay. Okay, so the vehicle is referenced as a 1999 BMW 735i throughout the movie to promote the 735i sales globally and in the USA. The 750 IL model was not marketed by BMW for mass market appeal— it was very expensive for the time, but they wanted to sell the so 735. They it this
1: other thing, but it never came with the
0: manual. No, of course that's not. That's in the movie. Correct. That's stupid. What What are you talking about? This is, you have to imagine. It's
1: cool that the manufacturer made it for the film. Right. But why not just make a special edition then? Charge never going a, charge they a they bunch would, more.
0: Because they probably would have to go some, through some sort of regulate regulatory <sighs> something or another. Don't blame BMW. Blame... Hey, okay. I don't like it. Okay, so Statham takes extra good care of this car. There's many films where parts of the film where he's like got a Polishing little it. He's just got a little spray bottle and he's like wiping down the glass <laughs> and stuff okay. like that. There's even a scene where he's washing the car, and he's very, very particular about his jobs, as you'll hear here.
3: Rule I'm one, never change the deal. the deal. was transportation for three men with a combined weight of 254 kilos. Yeah. Or this is a new deal an extra 80 kilos means we'll not make your destination on the gas i have allotted so we'll stop and get more gas every stop we make exposes us every exposure increases the risk of getting caught an extra 80 kilos means the coney shock absorbers i installed for which <laughs> which oh man <laughs> little
0: <laughs> plug for coney uh-huh
3: which means if there is a chase we lose our advantage which also increases the possibility of getting caught i don't want to get caught you don't want to Drive <laughs> the car, man. Or you're gonna catch a bullet to the brains. And who's going to drive? asshole! I drive. Not without the ignition code. You won't. 254 kilos. That was the deal.
0: <laughs> they, they shoot, shoot, one, of their shoot guys. one of the guys. Yeah. Men, 254
2: kilos. Seatbelts. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: So, you just understand that he's just like this super particular, super particular, super calm. Put Coney, you know, he. So, here's (laughs) the thing if he put Coney's on the car, Uh he's the one that put the transmission in. Oh, I see. If you think about the movie or the film, yeah, because he's he's modified the car. I see what he wants it. It'll work for the plot, so it'll work for the plot. Um, but I wanted to talk about Star a little bit too. Okay. Um, there was a follow up by Clive Owen and another for release of something else. Did you see the second one? They did a whole series of those. Yeah, but did you do? Did you see the new one with Clive Owen? What do you mean new? There's another one, like a modern version like oh, did, no. from 2016. Yeah, neither did anybody else. <laughs> um, so do you remember uh, Star? We talked about a little bit earlier, but Star, the thing with Clive Owen and right. Madonna. Right, so,
1: and that was literally these little short films put on by BMW. Like they produced it as little and there was, advertisements. And they were
0: all done by top line directors
1: yeah that's right and they, they all had a different uh,
0: director and they had different talent like top line talent obviously clive owen and madonna and were the in this one yep and there's other ones where they hijack some stuff and there's guns all over the place <laughs> right And they're really really cool so i actually got this dvd went to the bmw dealership got the dvd it was itself for
1: youtube and there was all no that. streaming it or anything like yeah. that
0: so you had to go to get the dvd to watch it's 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 pretty rad Star is easily the best one, yeah. where Madonna gets in the car and he basically just floors the car, and she gets like ping pong balled around in the back <laughs> of the car, <laughs> and then thrown out on the red carpet with coffee all over herself. That's right. It's it's, it's really really good. Okay, so um, plus it's an M five, yeah, which is rad, and he and he d- drives it really really well, and he jumps it. And there's like, dun, dun, then, dun, 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 uh, <laughs> and he jumps the car off the ramp. and. It's, you know what,
1: this is making me want to do is go back and watch all of these clips again.
0: Yeah, you definitely. Like every
1: single one of these on the list.
0: Yeah. So uh, the second best car in this movie is a Renault 5 that Frank drives in the Transporter. Home. And this is when you were talking about the modulation stuff the other day. Okay. They did do a Renault 5 yes. turbo rally car. Oh, yeah. And it is awesome. Yes. This car, not awesome. <laughs> Frank drives a hell of a <laughs> car of it eventually just so who like, is frank in the movie the you transporter mean, oh frank's the transporter okay well you should you said, need to you need the to watch transporter you need to watch this movie again i definitely You're clearly do. out of touch yeah no. the other transporters are pretty good too they're entertaining
1: they kind of jumped the shark at the end though wasn't the one where he like rolls the s8 and like to get the bomb off the bottom yeah. jumps it into like first a construction site or best. something
0: the be- the the only crazy scene in the first one is where he jumps it off the bridge onto the back of a flatbed truck <laughs> to get away from the cops <laughs> which is you know super realistic yeah for sure all right next on the list is and i know that you have not seen this movie oh jeez it is a it's the movie's called Highwaymen which where if you look it up, all you're going to get is Netflix stuff for this new, right, there's a new Kevin one Costner called movie Highwaymen. called Highwaymen. So you got to look up uh, Jim Cavizio as well. So what year is this? Do you know? This is like 20, 2006 or okay. mid-2000s. It's called Highwaymen. Okay. Um, the cars in this movie that are rad, the number one that I picked is the car for this movie. is in 1968. Here, let me send you a picture of it okay. before I get too far so you know exactly what I'm Highwaymen. talking about. Highwaymen. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, it's rad. Okay, so um, it's a 1968 Plymouth Barracuda 426 Hemi. Okay. And this is a car that actually existed. It was a production car. Yep. Um, it's, it's pretty rad. So what year, Cuda? 1968. 68 yeah. Cuda. So I'll tell you a little bit about the premise of this movie so you know what I'm talking about. James Fargo is a terrifying serial killer cruising around murdering innocent bystanders by hitting them with his car. Is he driving the Cuda? No, he's driving an old Cadillac. Okay, I see that so, uh, here too. Rennie, played by Jim Cavizio. that guy's name Cavizio. He's got a Cavizio. I don't know who Lu- it is. He's the guy that played Jesus in the one Jesus movie. Oh, the Passion. Yeah. Oh yeah, that guy. Yeah, that guy. Um, he, he, uh Madman becomes hellbent on avenging her death by chasing him down. So he pursues the guy in his '68 Plymouth Barracuda, ends up putting Fargo in the hospital and himself in jail. Unfortunately, Fargo, the Cadillac guy, yep. comes out of the hospital with all sorts of biomechanical prosthetics and. <laughs> And builds himself right into the murderous 1972 Wait, Cadillac Eldorado. Really? Yeah. So he basically has like a prosthetic arm that attaches to the steering oh, wheel geez. and stuff. And his foot <laughs> attaches to the gas pedal. Okay. It's pretty rad. So the, it's the, basically these two cars, the chase scenes are killer. They're really, 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 really good. And the Cadillac actually has a lot of personality. The movie terrible. Yeah, it doesn't sound terrible. Great. So it's conveyed through the dialogue that the car is, in fact, the ultra-rare 426 Hemi car, of which roughly 50 were made for wow. super stock drag racing. Yeah, The car it used was actually a run-of-the-mill 340 Barracuda dressed up to look like a Hemi car. Obviously, they're not going to destroy a 150 car. Um, Even the, it being a real Cuda, though. Yeah, the, the vehicle department went through great pains to make the conversion look authentic. It features a wood-grain Hurst pistol-ship uh, pistol grip shifter, right? Um, like ones found in the later E-body Kudas, Fiberglass front fenders, hood, massive correct hood scoop. Uh, more the hood dialogue scoop on suggests these that it has nuts. More dialogue suggests that it has had its body acid dipped and most of its extraneous weight taken out of it, as the real Hemi cars did. The mm. 1972 Cadillac Eldorado is a freak too. Fargo basically is the car, and in terms of scary movie car, movie cars, this one is right up there. And he's, that thing usually has one headlight as it's driving around. Oh yeah, and that's always always really really. Uh, what really about creepy. the truck from
1: that stupid movie with was it Paul Walker? Uh, not candy on the list. Cane.
0: No. You know what I'm talking about? No, not on the you list. You don't? I think I do, but it's not on the, what the list. let's name that? The driving around with the CB. We've already got a truck on the list. We don't need another one.
1: Yeah, okay, I'm just saying for like scary character trucks. Not vehicles. on the list. Yeah.
0: Not, didn't, hey. didn't, didn't make it. Didn't make it. Kay. But so we have a much scarier truck on the next episode. We do. That's much, much scarier. Okay. And this car actually is quite scary. So this is a cool movie because the, the cars are basically perceived as good and evil. Sure. So you've got the Hemi you got the Cadillac. One is good, <laughs> one is evil, and they're doing battle with each other. Usually you have like a really good car or a really evil car. Yep. You don't necessarily have two characters that are both cars that are battling each other throughout the film.
1: There's one other iconic movie I can think of. Go for it. It's Bullet.
0: That movie sucks.
1: The Charger and the Mustang, good and evil?
0: That you movie- just described it right there. First, I agree with you. We'll get there. It's a very slow movie. That movie is... Very slow. That movie is <laughs> terrible. That other the other terrible movie that I can't watch that's like motoring icon movie is Le Mans. I watched it start to finish once how did you not fall asleep I don't know it's absolutely once awful all right so number 14 on the list I'll send you a couple photos here so all right exactly what, I'm, what I'm after here so number 14 is yes yeah you
1: can't have a list without
0: this you cannot have a list without this for sure We play a little music while we while we listen while we go through this one. People know it already. They must, and if you don't, you need to. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So the car. Do you know what the car is? It's a '70 Malibu. It is a '73 Chevy Chevelle Malibu. Right. So the car isn't necessarily spectacular. It's really not even that special, but it defines the protagonist so well yeah the movie is all about the character and how he relates even his jacket that has the scorpion on it has meaning the driver makes a phone call in the movie to the main antagonist bernie in this phone call the driver says you know the story about the scorpion and the frog your friend nino didn't make it across the river so the driver and nino are the scorpion and the frog in this movie so what is scorpion and the frog okay Scorpion and the Frog is an animal fable about a scorpion asking a frog to carry him across the river. And this is, you didn't know the movie was this deep. No, I didn't. But you're, you will get I it. I knew there was a ton of symbolism. There is but so I didn't. much, and that's what makes a car so good. And I'll get to that. Okay, Scorpion gonna, and the Frog. I'm going to explain that. I'm going to explain a little bit of the movie, and then we'll get into why the car is cool. and why. So we why actually it's... tell people what this movie is? You didn't say the... it Drive. Is drive. <laughs> I just thought it was so obvious. Drive with Ryan Gosling. Yes. Yeah. The Scorpion and the Frog is an animal fable about a scorpion asking a frog to carry him across the river. Okay. The frog is afraid of being stung during the trip, but the scorpion argues that if it stung the frog, the frog would sink and the scorpion would drown. Right. So, yeah, give me a ride. I'm not going to sting you because I'm going to drown too. What happens in the fable? The frog agrees and begins carrying the scorpion. But midway across the river, the scorpion does indeed sting the frog, dooming them both. When asked why, the scorpion points out that it is just his nature. Uh. The fable is used to illustrate the position that the natural behavior of some creatures is inevitable, no matter how they are treated, no matter what the consequences. It is also used to illustrate that a person, frog, is to blame for the trouble they are in if it was caused by associating with another scorpion they know to be no good. So, the so sco- is Ryan Gosling the scorpion? He is the scorpion. The scorpion jacket marks the driver as the scorpion. Whenever he is doing illegal or immoral activities in this movie, he, he has, has the, the jacket, jacket on. When he's with Irene, who is his love interest yep. in the movie, Irene, or trying does. to help her ex, I think it was his ex, Uh, husband, he's not wearing the jacket. Interesting. He ends up fucking up his dreams by violently killing someone in front of a ring in the elevator scene. Yeah. Okay, so he's in That is an intense scene. There's a lot of intense scenes in this movie. So basically, he's with this girl who doesn't know- His life. His life, who is, he's basically- He's a getaway driver. He's a getaway driver. That's right, but he also kills people. When he needs to. When he needs to. I mean, he's a when he needs, I don't think he's, he's a hitman. man, No, though. he's a speak softly and carry a big stick kind of guy. Whole movie. Whole and movie. And a toothpick. So basically, <laughs> so he's riding this After elevator. After I watched up. that movie, I started doing the toothpick. Did you really? Oh, I almost yeah. want to do a matchstick because of Cobra. Yeah, no. You got to just have the toothpick in your mouth yeah, now. Yeah, that's not a bad idea. So um, he basically kills this guy in the elevator in front of his love interest, Well, Irene. because
1: he sees the guy has a gun in his coat and is coming up to their apartment to kill him. Right. right. Right? Isn't that the, the, the premise? So, he, so he's like, well, I got to defend her, and he has no
0: choice. There's this great part of this elevator scene where he sees the gun in this guy's jacket.
1: And slow motion and he, pushes, he pushes her back.
0: But what you did you notice that as soon as he does that, he steps a little left. She goes into the light of the elevator. Oh. He goes in into a complete shadow in the elevator. It's really, really cool. The movie really basically is a story of the driver in the end has to make a choice between his past and his life and being a real hero a real human being? (laughs) good reference to the song i think that's why they chose the song because think about it in the end what does he do he puts on the mask yeah to go do basically to go kill the uh, the The bad bad guy. guy and what does every hero do when they go do what they're gonna do they put on a mask Okay. So I think he's like a trying superhero? to be... Yeah, I think he's trying okay. to be a hero. I think he's trying to be a hero. Yeah. Do, but so the, the right car thing. itself, though. Okay. So with all this symbolism, the car he drives becomes important. Yeah. The car represents in a tough economic choice for a protagonist with a mysterious and dark past. Uh, he might have to make this choice. So this is a car. It's not an expensive car. No, there's nothing flashy about it. It's in primer, Yeah. whole movie. It's flat paint, no grill. Uh, it's very, very basic. It makes it seem uh, like it's definitely... Built for the guy that's going to speak softly, carry a big stick. What I love is the scene where he's
1: in his small apartment, no TV, nothing, and he's just rebuilding that big
0: four-barrel car Yeah, exactly. Just rejetting it. Yep. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> so when Nicholas uh, Reffin, who's the director, yep. um, told Gosling that he could pick out his character's <sighs> personal cup. That's right. After several choices were weighed for pros and cons, Gosling made his final decision and one day took his director to a local Los Angeles junkyard. Yes. There, he pointed to the 1973 Malibu, which was promptly purchased by the production team. The cost? $2,000. Gosling's relationship with the Malibu only began there. It was towed to a warehouse where Gosling tore the Malibu completely down to the frame and rebuilt the entire car himself, cool! except for the transmission, which was, I don't do transmissions either. Yeah. Gosling felt the exercise gave him insight into the type of patience and skill his character would have to exude in the multiple scenes where he was seen working on the cars further gave him a personal connection to the car the car is low-key really cool it's after the muscle era barely in the midst of the 50 mile an hour speed limit oil embargoes and of course it was right around the gas crisis Mm -hmm. but if you think what chevy was uh think about what chevy was about in the 80s maybe it wasn't so bad after all the car wasn't so bad so the movie is the movie car is often identified as a malibu malibu was a chevelle trim line that year not a model The movie car looks more like a Chevelle Laguna Colonnade hardtop coupe. Oh, okay. okay. So the Laguna Colonnade coupe was a new trim pack for 1973, and it was top of the line. It came with options just as a 454 cubic inch V8, a four-speed transmission, and a super sport package. It had an MSRP of $3,200. Third-gen Malibu sported a long hood short trunk design with a semi-fastback roofline that incorporated arched door frames and large rear quarter windows. Mm -hmm. Roofline and greenhouse styling was bequeathed the rather posh moniker Colonnade by GM. I think that's how you can say Colonnade. So the car's wheelbase was unchanged from the prior model, but the bodies were five inches longer and one inch wider, and most of that length was on... The rear of the car, yeah, huge overhang. Yeah, so even without uh the SS handling improvements, the seventy-three Chevelle was one of the best handling Chevy cars of its age. Huh? Guess who? DeLorean had insisted uh-huh. upon significant upgrades before he departed. The Car and Driver magazine review at the time said the Chevelle handled so well it went down the road as if guided by an unseen hand. Of in the movie, Ryan the, Gosling. In the movie, the driver has an affinity for racing. A 73 Chevelle Laguna would have been a nostalgic favorite for a stock car racer. That body style, with aerodynamic fastback roofline, would become one of the most winningest cars in NASCAR history. No kidding. So at the end of the movie, Driver, with his costume on, with his mask on, gets in that car, kills Nino, who is the antagonist, becoming the hero he always wanted to be. It's
1: such a good movie. And knowing the fact that I remember reading now, but I forgot that
0: he, Ryan Gosling, actually built that car. He did. Which is so cool. It is absolutely incredible. I have that that's like, you know, guys put on like weight for their movie. Yeah. This guy put on brawn by rebuilding yeah, that yeah, car. It's, for sure. It's pretty pretty cool. Very all cool. right. Number 13. <laughs> One of the most iconic scenes of all time for car guys, our age. Okay. Are you ready? I'm ready. I live my life a quarter mile at a time. (laughs) Nothing else matters,
3: not the mortgage, not the store, not my team and all their bullshit. For those 10 seconds or less, I'm free.
0: Right. So we all know that clip. Everybody lives their life a quarter mile at a time. That quote, everybody in our generation knows knows that. that quote. The this is Fast and the Furious, yes, the original. The original, the only one that really matters. Agreed. Dom's 1970 Charger RT. Yes. So Dom built this car with his dad, right? Right. Who was eventually killed in a stock car race. Right. So I want to play a little bit of the clip where he talks about his car. Me and
3: my dad built her 900 horses, of Detroit muscle. It's a beast. Know what she ran in Palmdale? No, what did she run? Nine seconds flat. My dad was driving. So much torque. The chassis twisted coming off the line. I barely kept it on the track. So what's your best time? I've never driven her. Why not? It scares the shit out of me.
0: So Dom won't drive it. It scared him. Mm-hmm. Basically, this car represents Dom's inner monster. His fear of his own violence and anger which you see come out in the film every once in a while so i feel like this his fear of that is if he drives that car he will let he loose will let go own. and in the end he does so 900 horsepower and holding a record uh quarter mile time at just nine seconds flat set by dom's father at los angeles county raceway seems a little bit of a stretch i couldn't okay. find any evidence of any car like this running a nine second quarter mile. It's just not there. So for scenes. Wait, that th- so what would that run? I don't know, but not nine seconds. No, there's no way. No, really? Nope. A um, 900 horsepower, big black and that. First of all, it's a heavy car. It's a, well, yeah, but I just couldn't find any evidence of a car like this running nine seconds. This is basically, don't forget, this isn't a dry car. This is a street car. Okay. When With you a at, massive blower on it fine but it is still tubbed a out with big tires so for scenes where the engine was actually shown yeah. they dropped in a real drag engine oh, otherwise cool. it didn't have a real engine in it at all and it was removed mm. for other scenes and then the car was just driven around yes so in the film rabbit who drives the jetta yes gets killed and dom charges off to his car his anger finally overcoming oh, that's right the fear that he had of that car blinded by rage for a while, you only see Brian chasing the cars in his Supra. Yeah. So that basically, what happens in the scene? Brian, you know, he's the other main character in the movie. He runs up and Paul he's Walker. An, Paul Walker. He's an undercover cop. And he's trying to get Dom to stop what he's doing. Mm-hmm. You know, but he can't. So and then somebody drives up and shoots Rabbit on the side of the road. Yep. Brian gets in his car and drives away. And so he's in like kind of like a chase scene yep. with two motorcycles.
1: That's right. Yeah. So
0: for a while, you, you, you see Dom take off in the Charger, and then he's not in the movie for a little while. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, he comes out of nowhere and kills a guy with the car, knocks him off his bike, kills him. So the car becomes, the, basically Dom is exercising his rage with the car. That's really deep. I never read into the movie this much. This leads to the inevitable quarter mile drag race yeah. between Brian and Dom. Uh, so I'm not sure wheelies and burnouts are possible at the same time because <laughs> you see the card definitely launches, yep. um, in, in, in that scene.
1: You're right. And then it's doing a wheelie. So what they it's did is they actually had, had
0: like water vapor and steam end up being like, if you watch it, it's tire smoke moves slowly. It's, yeah. It's heavy. This steam is moving really, really fast. Interesting. Obviously fake. Once you look at it, um, here's a question. How did Brian keep up in that Supra anyway? Because it was supposedly also a less than 10-second car. It was a 10-second car, not a 9-second car. Yeah, that's a big difference.
1: I don't know. Uh, a
0: 10-second car versus a 9-second car is a big difference. I said, yeah, prairies. that's a big yeah, yeah. difference. Um, so, uh the car shifts at least seven or eight times <laughs> in this scene, which is a little... Do you have the clip? I don't. I, okay. I, I was going to play it, but all it is is noise. Yeah. And I was going to count the shifts with you, but it's just all it is is a lot of noise.
1: Yeah. You, okay. You,
0: you truly do not want to listen to it. It all would right, just hurt that... your ears.
1: <laughs> all right. So before we move on to the last two here... Let's talk about Petrol box. Petrolbox is a monthly subscription service specifically for the automotive enthusiast. Each month, they carefully select items including tools, detailing supplies, apparel, garage gear, stickers, publications, and send them right to your doorstep. I just used the Tire Shine that came in this last month's box with a sure. brush. I thought it was Tire Cleaner. It's like them. a cleaner or shiner. I okay. don't know. I used it as a shine as worked well as a good. cleaner. Yeah, it worked great. So you can actually get two levels of subscription to choose from. The petrol box basic costs less than 20 bucks a month, while the petrol box premium gets you even more gear for $39.95 a month. So be sure to check these guys out at mypetrolbox.com and use the code overcrest at checkout to get
0: six dollars off your first month's order. Okay, so before we get to the last car of the day, which is, it's kind of a long one. This one might take a little bit more time. Okay. Do you disagree with any cars on this list so far?
1: (sighs) I only disagree with omissions. I don't know what necessarily we
0: would have to fill in. You have to keep in mind there's so many. I know. doing it as like a a sequential list down to one. I know, it's got to be difficult. It's nearly impossible. I shuffled this list around so many times. So many times. Okay. I'm going to wait
1: until next week to see what isn't on the list that okay. I think should be. Okay.
0: That's and then fine. I'll berate you. Okay. That sounds good. So far, though, this is very interesting. Okay. So, number 11. Yep. I'm going to play a clip, and you will know what the movie is by listening to the clip, but I, I think it's really cool. I cut it down a little bit. Okay. Just in, in, uh, with time in mind. But this just gives gives a setting for the car and the movie. I remember the road
3: warrior the man we called max to understand who he was you have to go back to another time when the world was powered by the black fuel and the desert sprouted great cities of pipe and steel
0: gone now swept away here's so, a question quick question yeah now that we're moving on to electric cars this future <laughs> is impossible
1: yeah good point yeah. <laughs>
0: For reasons long
1: forgotten,
3: two mighty warrior tribes went to war and touched off a blaze which engulfed them all. Without fuel, they were nothing. They'd built a house of straw. A thundering machine sputtered and stopped. Their world crumbled. Men began to feed on men. On the roads, it was a white line nightmare. Only those mobile enough to scavenge Brutal enough to pillage would survive. A
0: white-line nightmare. The gangs took over the highway. love
3: that line. Ready to wage war for a tank of juice. A tank of juice. As the smells from a decay, ordinary men were battered and smashed. Men like Max. The Warrior Max. In the roar of an engine, he lost everything. And became a shell of a man. A burnt-out, desolate man. A man haunted by the demons of his past. A man who wandered out into the wasteland. And it was here, in this blighted place,
0: that he learned to live again. Okay, so... We Now we know a little bit about Max. Max. Okay. <laughs> so you you see the world that he lives in. Okay. Post-apocalyptic, no yeah. fuel, um, very dirty, very, yes. very, very war-torn, very brutal. Lesser men are bashed and battered, right? Right. So I'm not assuming that everybody's seen Mad Max. No, I haven't seen the original. Okay. So there you go. So this, I imagine these words, okay, now we got to find a car that this guy drives. Right. Okay. So we got to find a car that this Max guy drives. And if you haven't seen the, uh, the old ones, that'll make this a little bit more fun. So Mad Max is played by Mel Gibson. Yep. And he's, in a, he's a scavenger and a law enforcement guy in a world with no fuel. The first time we see the car is in Mad Max 1 at the MFP. Or, How many movies are there, the original Mad Max? I think there's three. And then there's Fury Road might be the fourth. Okay. So uh, you've got Mad Max. And you've got Mad Max uh, Road Warrior. There's the second one, and I don't remember what the third one is called. But this car kind of goes through all of the movies. It kind of exists in in different forms uh, in all the movies. So the first one is seen in the main Force Patrol vehicle garage. A mechanic, Barry and Goose, use the— So the car is a 1973 Ford Falcon XB GT351 Coupe, otherwise known as the Interceptor. Gotcha. Okay. So they use the Interceptor as a bribe to keep Max on the police force. Unlike most other MFP vehicles, which are yellow and have roof-mounted police lights, the Interceptor is entirely black, save for a few gold MFP decals. According to Barry, the Interceptor has dual overhead cam engine, and thanks to the blower, makes 600 horsepower at the wheels. Okay. Now, this is an Australian movie. Did you know that? Right. I did not. So it was all filmed in the outback of Australia. Gotcha. Which is an absolute wasteland. Yeah. Okay. Fitting the movie. Right. So Max's family is later killed by the antagonist Toe Cutter and his gang. Max steals Does he cut toes? He must. <laughs> Max steals the interceptor and uses it to track down and eliminate members of the gang. In Mad Max 2, 3 years later, we see the war, the car worn and torn, modified, mm. etc. Two massive fuel tanks have been added to allow the car to travel greater distances. The boot door has been removed in order to accommodate them. This led to the car losing the rear spoiler. Max also installed a new fuel gauge, indicating the car was now capable of holding 200 liters of fuel. Gotcha. The front bumper was removed to allow the vehicle to travel off-road with less hindrance. The passenger seat was removed, and a custom seat for Mad Max's dog was installed on the passenger door. Max rigged the tanks to explode with booby traps hidden under the car. Um, yeah, there's several weapons hidden in and out of the car. Um, the V8 interceptor is seen at the very beginning of Mad Max 2 when the Marauders are pursuing Max. Max uses the car's supercharger sparingly as to conserve fuel, so he can switch on and off. That's right. The and I remember it's the belt drive actually like turns on yep. right at the opportune moment. He activates it, ramming a vehicle in front of him while also destroying the interceptor's aerodynamic front shroud. Basically, the car blows up at the end of the movie um, when someone tries to access the fuel tanks. Uh, it shows up in the modern film Fury Road yes. as well, and it's really in bad shape in that mm-hmm. movie. So he's got, there's rags in, in the rear tires instead of air. It's rusty, hulking, and once again, they rebuild it. I don't
1: remember that, but I'm looking at the... The
0: photos right now. Yeah. And the third movie was Beyond Thunder. That's right. That's right. Not so much car in that movie okay. as, as in some of the other ones. Um, in 1976, filmmakers began pre-production on the movie. They budgeted $350,000 for the entire film, including just $20,000 for props and vehicles, and just $5,000 to keep those vehicles on the road. Okay. The climax of the film was to feature a super hot pursuit car, known only then as Pursuit Special. A year later, the money came in, and they started building the cars. The task of designing the pursuit special was given to the movie's art director, John Dowding. The initial designs for the feature car were highly stylized and futuristic, Mm -hmm. with spoilers to the roof and boots, flares on the wheel arches, and modified front end. The original design was based on a modified Ford Mustang, and for a brief moment, that's what he was going to drive. So it wasn't going to be an Interceptor. It was going to be a Mustang. Right. Murray Smith was hired on early as the film's main mechanic and part of the film crew responsible for servicing and modifying the vehicles, including the V8 interceptor. His opinion on using a foreign Mustang was that it would be difficult to find parts for the car. It's Australia. Sure. there's not just Mustang parts everywhere. The car the the, the parts for the car had to be functional enough on the car to perform high speed stunts. It was almost uh, certain that repairs would be required and the foreign Mustang would be too much for this. low budget production. so it was decided that the Australian Fords would be used instead. It was the height of the van craze in Australia, sure. and the production crew spotted uh, Monza front ends for Holden's, which could be modified to fit the Ford Falcon and achieve the look they were going for. Huh. So, it just basically beefed it up with some van parts sure. instead of using a Mustang that w- they couldn't get any parts for at all. That's which interesting. Is, which is cool because if it was, I almost like that. It's like this car that you don't really know about exactly it's it's gonna it seems for the u.s market we like i don't recognize that yeah yeah me either well it's obviously been highly modified too but i just i like it seems more futuristic being a car that i don't recognize sure it would have been a mustang i would have been like "Uh, i'm really kind of tired of seeing mustangs and there's another (laughs) movie that we'll talk about in the next episode where they were also going to use a mustang and that got strapped as well there was a there mustang was a ford was trying to get this uh production house they gave him seventy five thousand dollars to use a Ford Mustang, and they still declined. Wow. Yeah. Will I know the movie? Oh yeah. You will definitely know the movie. So the production crew attended a car auction in Frankston, Victoria, where they bought two ex police Ford Falcons and a repossessed nineteen seventy three Ford Falcon XB GT hardtop coupe. Right. Destined to become the all black interceptor, the GT's coupe original color was polar white, of which only six were in that color were, were produced in that color in Australia. I wonder what condition it was in. Probably fine, I imagine, if it was just yeah. a repo car. It was yeah. probably just, you know, average car, driving around person type car. The GT Coupe was sent to be spray painted and modified. Based on the concepts by art director John Dowding, the company was told to make the car look evil. <laughs> Some of the modifications include a custom made front end, cut down flares from a Holden A9X Tirana, and a fitted supercharger. Miller wanted the supercharger seen, so it was mounted a foot higher than usual. (laughs) The modification work took three months to complete. Wow. In the second movie, the producers bought a 1974 Ford Fairmont and made it into a duplicate. The Fairmont was used for the wide shots while the original was used in close-up and interior shots. The Fairmont car car was crashed and blown up in the film. Hmm. With the production of Mad Max 2 complete, the Interceptor was destined to be destroyed. Noting the significance of the car, the scrapper at the junkyard kept it. It the changed. guy at the junkyard was the one to keep it. That's right. <laughs> He's like, wait, okay, you guys are actually... We are looking at this from hindsight, right? I know, This was you're an right. Australian movie that just wasn't happened. It wasn't a big was, deal. It wasn't a big deal. Mel Gibson was a nobody yeah. at the time. This is... Mel Gibson was no one. This is way before Lethal Weapon and yeah, everything else, right? It changed owners a couple of times before ending up in the front of an Adelaide scrapyard. The Interceptor sat for three years and was in bad shape when Mad Max superfan Bob Forsinko discovered it. He bought the car and restored it for $25,000. He contacted Murray Smith to verify the car was genuine. Smith had engraved his initials under the interior door trim. It was the real thing. Oh, cool. It's now in a museum in Miami, completely over-restored. Because mm. anytime you see pictures of this thing, it's ratty. Yeah, it's, it's dusty. It's dusty, it's destroyed. And now it's all shiny. I and bet. now it's all shiny. And I skipped one. Uh-oh. I went straight to 11. We missed number 12. Okay. So should we do 12? Yeah. yeah we'll do 12? All right. Where's my clip? Hold on.
1: I thought you were missing one cuz yeah. I know the show prep you did. Yeah. And at least to me, this one is actually more
0: iconic than Mad Max. Okay, number 12, since we skipped since we skipped it. Okay. All right. So, I'm going to play a clip and you will know what this car is immediately.
2: Larry, can you tell Vincent what it is you'll need?
0: Something very
3: fast. Audi S8. Something that can shovel a little bit. I'm going to have it for you by the afternoon. I'm also going to need a nitrous system. (laughs) I've got the the specs.
0: Okay, so you know this car, right? Yeah, it's Ronin. It's the S8. It's Ronin. The Audi S8 here's the thing <laughs> what it was a struggle for me to keep this like i had it in like the top 10 yeah top five i mean really when everybody thinks movie cars like oh ronan i mean ronan really really good Ronin, ronan it's it's up there it's up there but it's not that great of a movie car no it's really not but it's here because it is some of the greatest car chases in any movie. It is a good car chase. They're, in, they're always being chased by some stupid French cars like the Citroen XM <laughs> and yep. Peugeot 605. Um, but you know what else is in this car? What? Or in this movie? Sorry. The grandpa car Mercedes, as you would call it. Yeah, I'm sure it is. It's a W116 450 SEL 6.9. The largest engine of any non-American production car post-World War II. Ever sold. Wow. Yeah, it had 286 horsepower. Wait, what was the previous movie we were talking about that had this? Uh, Rendezvous. That's the car that they filmed on. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So they, he was basically a 286 horsepower, one of these as well. The okay. car cost $40,000 in 1975. Wow. And Gene Reno, who is the French actor, is the one that drives the Mercedes. Oh, okay. And have you seen The Professional? Yes. Leon The Professional? Yes. That's him. Yes. So he is yeah, cool excellent guy. in that movie. Also in this movie, lots of, see, that's the thing is this is almost a um, car movie. The yeah. S8 is the kind of like you you see it's, it's doing the one forward. you notice and is the one you notice, but also kind of behind the scenes is this awesome driving that the woman does in an E34 535i. Yes, right. The chase. Right. The director John Frankenheimer is said to be a fan of M cars and did not want to wreck an original M5. So okay. it's kind of got some M5 parts on it, and everybody says that it's an M5 in the movie. It's not, it's a 535i. So why isn't this car higher on the list? The car is a tool here, not a character. Good it's a point. great movie chase, yeah. but not a great character in the movie. No, it's not. So, number 12. You know what I remember about that movie
1: is the woman flashing her high beams to go through traffic. Yeah, in the BMW. And that's like the first time I realized cuz I I this is before I ever got my license. What year was this movie? I have no idea. It was before that. 1999. I was like, wait, <laughs> I knew that was like the high
0: beam, low beam, but I didn't yes. know you
1: could flash it. Oh. So I was like, yes, I'm going to like flash
0: everyone going through traffic. You're the guy. I'm You're that guy. guy. So it's excellent film. They're flying through Paris and nice. Uh, it's tight locations. Transport must have used this movie as inspiration. Oh, for sure. If you look at the chase scenes in Ronin, and you look at the chase scenes in the first Transporter, they're very, very Some similar. Similarities. Very similar, except that Ronan is much, much much better, which is why it's way ahead of Transporter yeah. on the list. So that's 20 through 11. All right. I There are some that better
1: be on the top 10. All
0: and right, I'm I won't gonna, even mention them. I'm going to keep a straight face. You just say some that you think should be on the top. Okay. Uh, either the old
1: or the newer Italian job. That's a movie, not a car. The Minis. Okay. That's a bunch of cars, not a car. So that's a no. That's not a no, or a yes. One I know, as you teased it, Back to the Future, the DeLorean. Okay. Bullet, the Mustang, and maybe even the Charger. Okay.
0: This is a straight
1: face, isn't I it? I know it is. I can't... Well, that and the microphone's in the way, so there's no tell now. I'm trying to... There are so many, too, if I was That's to sit down.
0: Yeah. These, this list is obviously the cars that I like. Yeah, it's subjective. So it's, it's completely subjective. I really wish I I could do. I mean, it's just too bad. You're not more opinionated. Yeah, right. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So that's it. I mean, that's 20 till 11. That's all we, that's all we got. I like
1: it. Well, be sure to uh, let us know on
0: Facebook and Instagram what you think. Yeah. If I'm missing something, you know, you've got another week before I do the top 10. Maybe I'll throw something in there. Ooh, there you go. This will turn into, actually, there's the top 30, so we have 20 (laughs) more, it turns out. No, I pared this down pretty well. It was hard because it's just, there's so many cars. And next episode, I've got some interviews coming up. That oh, I have cool. to record. I have to still have to call and interview one. Number one and number two on this list. I'm going to interview the stunt driver. And he drove oh, wow. and he drove both cars in the film. Very cool. So we're going to talk to him. And they're decades apart, which is kind of cool. I, I, I email I emailed him. I'll tell you the story later. I'll tell you the story when we get there. Next nice um, week. I'm really excited. I'm for looking it. forward to it then. All right. Uh thank you guys. I really appreciate you listening and I hope you think i'm right (laughs) (laughs) yeah regardless uh be sure to
1: check us out on patreon as well patreon.com slash overcrest and leave us a review wherever you're listening to our podcast with that we will talk to you next week all right see you monday